Hi everyone. Uh, good to see you guys. Uh, good to see some new faces too. Um, <clears throat> if you haven't met, my name is Aiden, pastor in CLC. Uh, as you notice, I uh, lost my voice. It happens to me time to time. So I don't know, I, I may sound like a Darth, Darth Vader or a Batman. <clears throat> Not sure which one, but so I ask you for your understanding and you know, it gets really bad during the sermon. Please pray for me right there. Just pray for that poor soul that God would um, <clears throat> have mercy. But again, I just would appreciate, um, you know, your grace for this. <clears throat> um, today's passage is found in uh, Philippians uh, chapter 4. We'll be reading from verses 4 to 7. Again, Philippians, Philippians 4, 4 to 7. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known, be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is God's word. Uh, let us pray together. And we're going to the time of the word together. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for who you are, that you are a constant God. Um, in our ups and downs, you say the same. And your word is the, the ruler, uh, the, the standard that we can bank on. So thank you for this time that we have hear from you, from your word. Uh, may you open our hearts to receive it and multiply it and bear fruit in our lives, God. And um, we do lift up uh, what's happening in Florida, uh, the, the collapse of the building. Uh, it's just heartbreaking seeing, you know, many uh, lives are either lost or um, you know, not accounted for at the moment. And uh, Lord, Please um, work in the situation um, for those who are still alive. Uh, may their lives be rescued. Uh, but all in all, uh, we admit that we don't understand uh, everything, especially when treasures like this hit us out of nowhere. But we trust that you're a good God who has a good plan for this world. So may your gospel be preached even through this tragic situation and the comfort your people uh, comfort the people of Florida uh, for them to uh, still feel your love and comfort during this time God and I pray that uh, my voice would not be a hindrance to the preaching of your word it's a good reminder for myself and to perhaps everyone that it's not about the preacher but it's, a, it's about the giver of the word uh, which is you so Lord 
May our hearts and ears uh, be focused on you. Do have mercy on me uh, so I can speak your word clearly during this time, God. Thank you, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you know, I have uh, good neighbors, uh, next-door neighbors in our uh, town, uh, or in our block. And uh, sometimes I talk to my neighbors quite often. And on one, one such occasion, uh, me and my next-door neighbor named Rich, uh, we were just talking and uh, somehow I, I just kind of like expressed my concern and care for other neighbors in our in our block and then and then rich kind of pauses and then he says Aiden which planet are you from are you serious you have that kind of heart for heart and care for people like that and that kind of you know took, took me aback I was like oh okay <laughs> I'm from earth and I'm just like you but I think as I thought about it I'm like wow you know it made me feel humble because it's really Christ who somehow produced something in me so that when you know people see me speak or you know behave a certain way, they find something good uh, to the point that they think it's foreign to them. And I share that because in today's passage, uh, we'll find uh, three character traits. Uh, that could also be considered otherworldly to, to the world because it's so uh, radical. It's so uh, crazy in, in especially today's standard. And uh, we'll look at it, and my hope and prayer is that uh, Christ will produce in, in our hearts uh, these qualities so that we can be a blessing to the world as a result. I have three points, as always. First, uh, rejoice always. Uh, second, be gentle to all. And third, worry about nothing. First, rejoice always. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Here, observe with me three things that stand out from the verse right away. First, we see that the joy is important. And notice that Paul says, rejoice twice. He wouldn't repeat something if he didn't think it's important. And throughout the letter to the Philippians, he repeatedly talked about how we should be joyful. So what that means is that being joyful is an integral part of being a Christian. So that's why we see in Galatians 5 that joy is one manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. So what that means, when you struggle to have joy in your life, uh, if you're a believer in Christ and you see your heart is constantly grumpy and cynical, that's a good indication that something is wrong with you know, our walk with Christ at that moment. So joy is important, it's crucial. Second, we also see that joy is not based on circumstances. Again, notice that Paul says, rejoice always. That means that this joy that Paul is promoting 
must happen even when the situation is bad. In fact, Paul himself was in prison, right? We saw that you know, he's awaiting a trial that could uh, end his life, potentially, when he was writing this letter. So this means that you know, when you're not doing well in school or at your job, you know, when relationships break your heart, and even when you grieve from losing your loved ones, God forbid, this joy is still called for, or especially called for. So joy is not based on circumstances. And thirdly, joy is in the Lord. We see that in the verse. So how do we get this joy back into our lives and have this joy even through tough circumstances? And Paul's answer to that is that the ground of this joy must be in the Lord Jesus. What this means is that your mind and heart are soaked in the reality of being united to Christ. The reality of all that Christ gives you because He loves you and you, know, you are in Him. That He died for your sins and He you know, rose up from the dead and, and He will come back to take you back and He will resurrect you to have perfect fellowship with Him. We saw that a few weeks ago. And also, we also saw last week that your name, if you're in Christ, your name is found in the book of life. That's tremendous hope. And also in the present then, you have this identity, unshakable identity in the righteousness of Christ so that no matter how many times you fail, you, know, you are loved, you are valued. And lastly, being in Christ means that His presence is constant, and He's with you through ups and downs of your life. When you are convinced in your heart of this reality, then, and now not just in, the, in your head, but in your heart and in your experience, then, only then, your joy can be seen, even the circumstances is miserable. So with that in mind, now, please come with me down to earth. Um, you know, what does this look like in real life, right? Is Paul saying that there should be no room for sadness in our lives because you have to rejoice always? Uh, well, it would be helpful to see what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6.10. There he says, As sorrowful and yet rejoicing. Meaning, in tough circumstances, you're supposed to grieve. You're supposed to be sad. That's human. The Bible says you are to lament. You are to express. It's even mandatory, I could say, that you are sad. You express that. But right at the same time, like Paul said when he said sorrowful and yet rejoicing, right when you're sad, you can also be joyful again because of your identity in Christ. Simultaneous uh, emotions in Christian lives. Uh, my wife Deborah uh, is pretty athletic. I'm not. Uh, and she loves to run. I don't. Uh, I like walking. I can walk miles and miles. But I, don't, I hate running. But while we were dating, uh, you know, Deb signed us up for several uh, 5K and 10K races, okay? 
And so I had it running out of my great love for my then girlfriend. I wanted to please her. I, I, I said, yes, okay, let's do it. I think we ended up doing like at least, at least five together. Um, man, it's out of my love for her right there. Um, now, so I already told you that I hate running. So just imagine with me, here's what happens when I'm running in, in, in this races. On the one hand, I'm in tremendous pain. I keep asking myself, why am I doing this to myself? Why? But at the same time, I look at that and I realize, oh, this is a quality time. And she loves me. And, you know, I feel her love that, you know, she signed up to, you know, do this thing with me. So I'm like, so love. So I'm, I, I'm joyful. But next second, I'm like, oh, this sucks. Man, are we there yet? But at the same time, I think of like what I will do once the race is over, all the good food that I will eat and the you know ice cold drinks that I'll sip on. And also, it's kind of cheesy, but I think of the big smile on Dev's face when the race is over because you know she feels so accomplished. And you know, like when the one you love is happy, it makes you happy. You know, so I'm like just happy thinking about that. That helps me keep running. But then I know that she will also say after race is over, she'll be like, oh man, let's sign up for another race. And I'll be like, no, you know, that's kind of how it always went. But you see, um, in Christian race that we call Christian life, likewise, two or more emotions can coexist, like my example. On the one hand, the difficult circumstances make you feel stressed, dejected, and despondent. But at the same time, when you know who you're running with, you know, the, 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 the Christ, your lover, he's empowering and he's running with you and helping you finish the race. And not only that, that you know that in the end, you will see a big smile in his face, you know, being proud of you for finishing the race you can be joyful at the same time. Simultaneous emotions because it's in Christ. So rejoice always. Second, be gentle to all. Verse 5, Paul says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Uh, being reasonable there uh, means basically not be a jerk, really. Meaning, you are to relate to other people with reason, with a good sense and respect, or better, with gentleness, like NIV translates it. And there it says, you are to be known as, you know, being gentle to everyone, to all. For the Philippians, this, this could have meant that they are to be gentle with one another within the church, but also they are to be gentle towards outsiders. And at that time, some of these outsiders were persecuting uh, these Philippians for their faith in Christ. In other words, Paul is calling them to be gentle to those who are easy to be gentle with, but also those who are hard to be gentle and reasonable with. And 
now you might be wondering, like, where does this come from? Like, why is Paul telling the Philippians to do this? It's because Paul is here exhorting the Philippians to be like their Lord Jesus Christ, like he's, he's been saying in this book. Like we've been, you know, uh, revisiting over and over, Jesus, though he was God, he did not use that right and position to benefit himself, but he humbly, he humbly served others. You know, he used that position to serve others, even for his enemies, and he died on the cross for them as ultimate sacrifice for them. When the Philippians see this and when they personalize what Christ did for them and how you know, he was patient with them while yet they were sinners and his enemies and how he was being gentle with them, they should also replicate the same attitude towards everybody else even when they are being harsh with them. And that's what Paul is saying here. And then Paul adds, the Lord is at hand. Here it's as if Paul already knew, he already saw that you know, being gentle with your persecutors would be a hard thing to do. So he is trying to motivate them by this statement. Here, Lord is at hand could mean two things. One, that Jesus is near spatially right now. That is, if you're a believer in Christ, you know, Holy Spirit lives in you, and the spiritual presence of Christ is constant in your life, empowering you and helping you uh, to love your enemies. And second, this phrase could also mean that, uh, you know, Jesus is near temporally, meaning that he is coming back soon to what? To vindicate all the wrongs that their enemies inflicted on them. He will wipe away their tears. So because, you know, Jesus is near both in the present and in the future, the Philippians can be gentle and reasonable with difficult people. And here, I need you to see how this is the same reason that Paul gave for being joyful at all times. His nearness, you know, that you understand um, what it means to be in Christ, that propels for you to, to be gentle and joyful at all times and with all people. That's what Paul is saying here. In, in December of 2013, an American chemistry teacher named uh, Ronnie Smith uh, was killed in Benghazi, uh, Libya, by terrorists while you know, he was on a morning job. Um, him and his wife were actually there as missionaries. And later, his widow, Anita Smith, came on CNN, and she said this, I envision the black jeep driving up to uh, Ronnie. To kill them, to kill him. And I don't know their faces. I just wanted to know that God loves them and can forgive them for this. I don't know them, but that's how I honestly feel. It may sound crazy, I know, but it's God's Spirit that's putting this inside of me. And then she went on to say, Yeah, they took away my husband. I love my husband. 
But it's got to be God's spirit that's pushing me to show them that this is what God wants them to see. Again, CNN, she said this publicly. You can hear that she understands that perhaps a normal response in this situation is perhaps anger, vindictiveness, bitterness. But she keeps saying that therefore it must be God's spirit. It's not natural. It must be God's spirit that's pushing me to have this attitude towards my enemies, the ones that took away my love. It is the spirit, meaning the the near presence of Jesus, that's making this possible for her. So let me ask you, let me ask us, in your life, who could you show such gentleness to? Could it be that mean co-worker, boss, client, or that friend that's making your life miserable, or blank, whoever that might be? And here, I just want to clarify that being gentle to people does not mean you condone and ignore their offenses. If it's severe enough that they're harming you um, and harming others, there are some institutional and legal actions that should be taken. Romans 13, in fact, talks about letting the government punish the offenders. But what, what Paul is saying here is that on a personal level, the Bible calls you to forgive and show otherworldly kindness and forgiveness and gentleness to people who don't deserve it. That's what Christ did. And he's saying that you do that not by your grit, I'm going to love them. No. You do that by, again, God's Spirit creating this love in you. And you also look forward to that day when Christ will come back and vindicate all the wrongs. So Lord's nearness helps you to be gentle to all people, especially those who are hard to love. And lastly, worry about nothing. Verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Uh, just follow with me here, just a few observations in this verse that we just read. In the Greek text, literally it says, worry about nothing and in everything, pray and bring it to God. So there's contrast between nothing and everything. And also the three words in the verse, prayer, supplication, and requests are synonyms connoting a prayer for specific needs. You know, here Paul is obviously emphasizing prayer, saying pray, pray, pray. So put this together, what this verse is saying is to transfer every anxious thought into prayer. You have one anxious thought, make it into one prayer and let God know. You have 20 anxious thoughts, make it into 20 prayers to God. If your car broke down, ask God for provision. And you see some character flaw in you, 
Ask God to change your heart to become like Christ. Anything and everything, transfer anxious thoughts to prayer. But, but lest you think that this is some sort of an impersonal business transaction, Paul adds this. He says, with thanksgiving. What he means is that as you transfer you know, these thoughts into prayers, your heart must be engaged and you're truly grateful for God's gracious provision so that your prayer is not mechanical, but it's actual personal, intimate conversation between those who are needy and those who are uh, you know, in love. This is love conversation. So with thanksgiving. And lastly, quickly, look with me at verse 7. It says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What that means is, again, as you make these prayers, what God will do, just because you pray, not because you prayed perfect prayers, just because you prayed, God is saying that my perfect peace, my shalom, will protect you, guard you, guard your hearts from further attacks from other anxieties that can debilitate you. And, and I'll do that in ways that will blow your mind beyond your understanding, beyond your expectation. Meaning, as a result of our prayer and supplication, God will do and can do what we can't do. And lastly, notice this. It says, this is in Christ Jesus. Do you remember that? In Christ Jesus. It's a repeated theme in this passage, meaning you know, just like being joyful and being gentle, you know, we can be less anxious when we believe the realities, again, of the Lord's nearness, that He's with me right now and He will take me home. That conviction, that's what carries your hearts. Constant theme here. So all this to say, what Paul wants, I believe, is that uh, he wants us to stop trying to be a savior for ourselves, but let God be your savior. Meaning, when you're anxious, you are trying to save yourself, right? You're trying to use your intelligence and human devices to get you out of fearful situation. But when you transfer that right to save yourself to God, what happens? God takes uh, in charge of the saving you from anxiety. And again, it says, he will do that in, in a way that will blow our minds. He can do what we can't do. <clears throat> you know, I recently realized, uh, if you didn't know, um, uh, my wife and I, we have a 19 months old uh, toddler. And recently I realized having a child drastically changes how you travel. Um, as you know, like about a month ago, I think, we traveled to Maryland to visit Seth's families. And, and, you know, before Seth was born, our son Seth was born, you know, we just packed our stuff and we would have, like, at max, two suitcases, right? It was very simple. But with Seth, we have to pack his stuff too. And I kid you not, we ended up having these, like, I don't think it's large. I think those are extra large suitcases, two of them. 
pack them up with his stuff and all other stuff. On top of that, we had to pack his car seat like this big. And on top of that, we had to bring his stroller so we can you know, stroll, stroll him around in Maryland. A lot of stuff. So once we got to the airport, uh, what, what happened was, you know, dad had to carry Seth and she had to carry other stuff like my backpack and stuff. And I had to carry all these like big stuff, right? And I kid you not, I literally had to use my fingers to drag them because I had, you know, not enough hands and those were heavy and it was crazy. So like, although I'm a strong man, but I was struggling and I was sweaty and it was hard. I was so sore. But then by the time I got to the check-in desk, I literally just like dropped them. And, and like, I had the people there deal with them and, and they weighed the, you know, you know how it goes. They weighed the, the luggage and, you know, they put it on the, on the conveyor belt. And, and I said with shaky hands, Thank you, Southwest. This is awesome. I was thankful because I didn't have to carry the, the burdens anymore. I think as modern people, we carry a lot of burdens, right? Your finances, your careers, your families, and just about everything in your life. And, and those things can really weigh you down. And I'm not saying, though, that you don't do your part. You do your part in those things. You do your best. You're, you're trying to be faithful. Uh, but, but in the midst of that, we tend to overdo things, right? We, we tend to do things that we don't have control over and we worry about those things. And God is saying, put all, the, all those things that you are trying to carry with your fingers, drop them into my mighty arms. I'll carry them. Drop them. That's my job. And I do want to clarify here, though. This does not mean when you, you know, pray these prayers and just give all the burdens to God, it does not mean necessarily that God will answer our prayers just the way we want. But what it does mean is that God will take care of them the best way He knows. So we can trust it. We can Give it to him, no matter what happens with them, because he knows what to do. He can do what we can't do. And let me end with this. Um, just like as a personal biography here. Uh, it was when I was 15 years old <clears throat> when I came to the States from Korea and uh, and just things didn't work out with the rest of my family. So I came first and I stayed with uh, my uncle and aunt in Chicago. Uh, and I think six months after that, my parents joined with my sister and, you know, that, that's kind of how it went. And uh, when I was there by my, without my parents, just with my uncle and aunt, as you can imagine, I really had to learn how to take care of myself. And even after my parents joined, I still had to do a lot of things for them logistically because of you know, their language barrier. Uh, so that's kind of, that's in a way my whole uh, 
teenage years. And, and I thought about it, and I realized that experience at such a young age has some you know, impact in my life. On the one hand, um, I became capable of adulting, you know, so I knew how to take care of finances and, you know, etc. But on the other hand, I had this, you know, constant anxiety that I had to be responsible for everything, that I had to take care of every single thing without asking for help, that I had to figure this out. That became sort of a pattern in my life. And I think, you know, even after I became a Christian, this pattern carried on so that when whenever problems arose, I would, first of all, my instinct is to jump at the problems and try to fix them without turning to God, you see. And I realized, I think, this past 10 years or so maybe, in my spiritual journey, I've been sort of, sort of detoxing, detoxing this mentality uh, so that I can rely on God more, just like the passage, this passage says. And if you spend time with me like for a longer period of time, maybe on a, a day or two, I don't know if you want to, but if you do, um, you'll, you'll notice that I do a lot of strange things. Uh, one of them is that like I out of nowhere kind of grunt, say things like, you know, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I, I literally do that. And I think it's because, not that this is like some sort of a mantra or like whatever. I think I do that because I notice in my heart throughout the day, there are moments when I want to fix my problems and I get anxious. But those are the times when God reminds me, that's not your job. So I drop them at the Lord's lap saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And that's really the rhythm of my life. These days I probably before Jesus calls back me home. It calls, it calls me back home. And, and that's my story and I don't know your stories. You know, how, what your upbringing is and how that affected your spiritual life and so on. And I don't know what this call to drop your worries at God's feet, I don't know what that does to you. I don't know how you relate to that call. But again, Paul and God is saying that he wants you to transfer all those things to him. And as you do that, as you again trust the nearness of God who is able to hear your prayers and he's running with you, this can be a source of joy. And out of that joy and security, that's how we can be gentle to our persecutors or whoever is giving us a hard time and be a blessing to the world to the point that people may say, which planet are you from? And we could say, it's not the planet, it's the person, Christ and me, that's doing something that the world does not know. Be joyful, be gentle, worry about nothing by Christ alone. Let's pray together. Thanks for bearing with me, with uh, my voice. Um, but I hope that God's word was clear. 
in this passage that because the Lord is near, we can do things that the world does not know anything about. And of course, this does not mean we arrive perfection. We, 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 we learned that when we studied the uh, passage in Philippians a while ago. Paul himself says, I have not arrived there yet, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind and strive forward to achieve what's ahead of me. So in this journey, if you're in Christ, God is calling you. This glorious, glorious journey of walking with His Son and growing in these qualities. And maybe for some of us, you know, one or two or all of these qualities that we just looked at are pressing in your heart. Maybe you are struggling a lot with anxiety. Maybe you are struggling a lot with um, you know, being joyful. You realize your heart is grumpy. That your heart is so prone to look at the negative things and, and, and you know, judge. Or you, you have a hard time being gentle to people that you want to minister to. And I encourage that that you turn to Christ and, and you give that burden also to Christ and it is His perfect peace that will guard your hearts and your minds and it will accomplish what we can't do. So let's pray together. Let's gather our hearts pleading with God. Just being honest with Him. That's what prayer is all about. Just being honest. Raw prayers. Asking Him to search your hearts and change us. Let's pray together. Let's just come for the Lord. Um, no matter how uh, this week was and or uh, you know, where you're coming from, what kind of struggles that you're coming from. Let us just fall onto Jesus. That's why he died for us. And he's near us right now to carry our burdens. And I know some of us are carrying a lot of burdens right now. And I think God knows that. May we just cast all, all those burdens. And in 1 Peter 5 talks about how we are to cast all our anxieties on Him because He cares for us. That is God's heart. And may we not miss that right now. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that we're not living our lives by our, by our own grit by our own gumption, by our own devices and resources. 
because I think all of us here are old enough to have seen end to those efforts. And as we grow older, we'll see more of that. But Christ is eternal. His sacrifice covered all of our sins, past, present, and future. So we can fall on you, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us. We need you. Help us to grow. Help us to be less anxious. Help us to be more mature in our dealings with others who we want to minister to in our lives. And but truthfully, all those things feel so grand. How can we do that? And there we remember again, we transfer that thought into our prayer right now. So carry us, give us your rest as we continue to walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for your unending grace and your love.